0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory
1: Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 46, and uh, we're, we'll read from verse 1 down to verse number 7. Genesis 46 and verse number 1. It wasn't that a blessing. Yeah. Amen, and I've been working with uh, those guys, and I think they did a good job I'm working with the piano player, and amen for that. And of course, if you know me, you know I'm just kidding. I didn't, didn't work with any of those folks there. Amen. <laughs> Genesis chapter 46, and verse number one, the Bible says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel, in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had set, sent to carry him. And verse number six, And they took their cattle and their goods which they had gotten into the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob, and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt.
0: Amen. Thank you for reading that scripture. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray your blessing now upon these moments as we look at your word. Lord, we need to hear from you. Uh, We need to have our focus on what you have to say. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to each and every person who's listening. I know that you are not bound by location. I know you are not bound by restrictions. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work in our hearts that only you can do. If anyone is listening this morning, and Lord, they do not know their Jesus Christ is their Savior, they're not sure where they will spend eternity. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, would you encourage us? Thank you that you are in control. Thank you for this story, this account in Genesis 46 of what you did in the life of Jacob. And Lord, what you did for Jacob, you can do for us as well. We pray now you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jacob is now traveling with his family. We've gone through the series on Joseph and the brothers have gone home and they've told Jacob that Joseph is alive. And Joseph uh, had told his brothers, he said, get dad and bring him back and don't even worry about your stuff, just come on back and I'll take care of you here and I can't wait to see my father. And so Jacob is thrilled. Uh, Jacob is traveling with his family to Egypt. He'll get to see Joseph For the first time in about 22 years, he thought he was dead. He thought he'd never see him again, but now he's going to see him. Can you imagine the excitement that must have been in Jacob's heart? Can you imagine the anticipation for Jacob knowing he's going to get to see his son Joseph? You would think he would make a beeline. You would think he would not stop for anything. You would think that he would be a man on a mission and he would not stop till he got to Egypt. But that's not what happens in chapter 46. He's on his way to Egypt and he makes a stop. He makes a deliberate stop. He makes a purposeful stop in Beersheba. Now, just a casual reading, that may not mean a lot to you, but if you go back and you look at Isaac, Jacob's father, it was at that same place, Beersheba, where God promised Isaac that he would bless him. It was at that same place, Beersheba, where Isaac's servants were digging the wells and water sprung up and they experienced the blessing of God and they experienced the goodness of God. And Isaac hung on to a promise from God in Beersheba. And now Jacob's going through the same place. And he says, boys, hang on. I know we're in a hurry and I know we got to get to where we're going. But before we go to Egypt, I got to make one more stop. I got to stop in Beersheba and I got to reflect on all the things God's done for me. I got to reflect on all the things that God did for my father. I've got to reflect on the promises of God and I've got to get back to where God made a covenant and God made an oath and God has kept his word and I just have to take some time before we go. I just have to stop. Number one, I see the sacrifices. When he gets to Beersheba, the Bible says in verse number one that he offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. Now you may be listening and you don't have a godly heritage. Maybe you don't have godly parents or godly grandparents. Can I say God can still use you and God can still bless you anyway? But if you have a godly father or a godly mother, or you have godly family members, you ought to thank God every day that they invested something and they, they gave something and they taught something so that you could have what you have today. Jacob had such a rich heritage. Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. This was the place where God met with his father, but this is the place where Jacob is going to meet with God for himself. I want you to notice in verse 1, that he sacrificed. You know what people sacrificed in the Old Testament? They sacrificed their livelihood. They sacrificed that which they could have eaten, that which they could have sold, that which they could hang on to with value. Sacrifices always cost something. And as we are going through difficult times, I wonder if we would be willing to sacrifice for God. I wonder if we would be willing to give up some things in our schedule. I wonder if we'd be willing to give up some things in our lives so that God could be honored and he could be praised. Sacrifices in the Bible was always the best. Never was it the leftovers. It was always the best. It was the the lamb without blemish and without spot. Sacrifices in the Bible were always given first and not last. God required the first fruits. How come? Because God is not interested in our leftovers. God's not interested in being second place or third place or fourth place. God deserves to be number one in our lives. Sacrifice in the Bible is about giving up things. Sacrifice in the Bible is about worshiping God. And as Jacob stopped to sacrifice He was worshiping God. He was saying, God, you're worthy. God, I want to praise you. God, I want to give you glory. God, you've done so much for me. And God, I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate what you've done. I love the story when David was there at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. God was judging Israel and God was going through with the, uh, that angel of death and David saw that angel over that threshing floor and it was there that God pulled back and God showed mercy and David immediately went to offer sacrifices to God and when he got there, Ornan came and he said, David, he said, I've got all you need right here. You can take my cattle, you can take my animals, you can sacrifice them. I give them to you freely. You don't have to pay me. David stopped and he said to Ornan, he said, oh no. He said, that's not how it's happening. He said, I will not offer to God that which doth cost me nothing. David said, true worship and true praise and true thanks to God is not about a freebie. It's not about a free lunch. It's about sacrifice. I remember the story, of course, of the widow. The disciples watched as that widow came and she gave two mites. And that was so little compared to those who gave out of their treasures and gave out of their abundance. But Jesus commented, he said, that woman has given more than all the rest. You say, how is that possible? Jesus said, because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave all that she had. Friend, I want to tell you, God deserves our sacrifice You say, well, pastor, how much do I have to give to go to heaven? How much do I have to give to get in good with God? You could never give enough. You could never give enough to pay the price for salvation. Salvation's a free gift. Salvation's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. You don't sacrifice and you don't give to get your way to heaven. You sacrifice and you give because you love God and because of all that he has done for you. Number one, Jacob, stop to sacrifice. Number two, As Jacob is sacrificing, something interesting happens. God begins to speak. And Jacob hears the voice of God speaking in verse 2. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, oh, aren't you glad that we can hear God speak? I'm not talking about an audible voice, and I'm not talking about something strange and mystical, but I'm talking about, as sure as I'm standing here, we have the word of God. We can hear from the voice of God as we open the pages of Scripture. And Jacob heard God speaking to him in Jeremiah's day. There was a king by the name of Josiah, He sent the priest to the house of God. He said, this house of worship and this house of God has been in disarray for too long. He said, it's time to clean up. It's time to get right with God. And while they were cleaning, the priest, Hilkiah, he made a discovery. And I rejoice in the fact that he made the discovery, but it's a sad thing that for all those years, the word of God had been lost. The word of God was nowhere to be found. And Hilkiah made the announcement. He said, hey, look. I have found the book of the law. And praise God, he found it. But friend, don't lose it. You've got it in your home. You've got it in your kitchen. You've got it in your bedroom. You've got it in your living room. You've got it on your phone. You've got it on your computer. Let's read it. God is still speaking in 2020. I'm so thankful that God still speaks. And what a blessing it is to know that any hour of the day, you can get in the word of God and God can speak to you. Hallelujah. There's power in the word of God. That must have meant so much to Jacob as he was worshiping God, that God took the time to speak to Jacob. He called him by name. But then I see number three, I see in verse two, the surrender. When Jacob heard God speak to him, it says in verse number two, Jacob said, here am I. Wow. Those are three powerful words. Those would be some good words for us to use right now as God is speaking. And I don't know what God's trying to tell you. I don't know what's going on in our country. I don't know what's going on in our world. I hear all kinds of different things, but I know this. God's got something for you, and God's got something for me, and God wants to speak, and would you listen? And when he speaks, would you say, here am I. God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want to do. Uh, Jacob didn't listen to what God said and then say, Let me think about that, God. Let me get back to you on that one. I'm not so sure that's what I wanted to do. Jacob said, God, say whatever you want to say. My answer is yes. God, you tell me to do whatever you want me to do. Here am I. I'll do it. I'm available. I'm usable. I'm an instrument that you can use for your glory. You see, Jacob belonged to God. Jacob was willing to give his life to God. And Jacob was willing to say, Lord, whatever you want, it's up to you. I wonder this morning, would you surrender to God? Would you say, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want to do, whatever you're trying to do in my life, God, I surrender all. Stop trying to debate with God. Stop trying to argue with God. Stop trying to resist when God is speaking. Just say yes to God. Jacob surrendered. He said, here am I. But then notice what God told Jacob. It says in verse number three, and he said, I am God. We'll preach a little bit about that tonight. But God told Jacob, he said, I just want to remind you, I am God. And can I remind you, friend, I'm not God. You're not God. We're not even close. We can't even figure out our own lives many times, let alone everybody else's lives. But God has it all under control. Number four, I see the sovereignty of God. God said to Jacob, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation, and I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. Can I tell you, God was in control of Jacob in Canaan, but God was also in control of Jacob in Egypt. Now, Jacob was not in control. Jacob was about to be removed from his comfort zone. Jacob had not been to Egypt before. Jacob did not know the language. He did not know the customs. He did not know the culture. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in this chapter that Jacob was a shepherd and shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. You talk about a duck out of water. You talk about feeling out of place. Jacob was going... To Egypt, and they hated shepherds there, and that was his life. But you know what God said? Don't worry about it. Don't fear. You go down into Egypt because I'm going with you. And I'm not just going with you, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna make of you a great nation. You see, Jacob may have felt like he was limited to his region and he had control in his area, but God's control was not limited to a region. God's control is worldwide. God's control is universal. God's control is forever and ever. And Jacob had to rest upon the sovereignty of God. Can I remind you this morning that our God is a sovereign God. He's in control. He not only knows what's going on, but he has authority over everything that takes place. He is never caught off guard. He's never surprised, he's never nervous, he's never worried, and that's the God that you and I can trust to take care of us. Number five, I see the sons of Jacob and their families. Jacob and his sons take a trip. They take a trip uh, to Egypt, but before this, his sons had already been back and forth to Egypt. Before this, God had already protected them. Before this, God had already protected Benjamin. Remember how nervous Jacob was about sending Benjamin? God took care of Benjamin. God had taken care of Joseph. Joseph was in prison. Joseph was a slave. Joseph was falsely accused. God took care of Joseph. God had taken care of Jacob and his sons, and now they're all making the trip, and God says, don't worry. I will take care of you, and I will bring you down safely into Egypt. I want you to notice verses 26 and 27. God said that he would take care of them. In verse 26, it says, All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives, all the souls were three score and six, and the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls, and all the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were three score and ten. And every one of them is listed by name in this chapter. And you say, what does that mean for me, pastor? What does that do for us? Well, I'll tell you what it does for us is not only can God take care of you, but God can take care of your family. God can take care of your children. I pray in this auditorium many times throughout the week and many times I'll call the names of our members and especially where you sit. I always start when I pray, I always start with my family and I pray for my wife and I pray for my girls and I pray for Micah. And can I tell you, there's uncertain times and there's, there, there's things that maybe scare us or things that worry us. But friend, I wanna tell you, God's got it all under control and God can take care of you and he can take care of your family and he can take care of our church and God is in control. He did it for Jacob and God can do it for you. I see the sons, the families, God took care of them, number six. I see God had a special place. They made it safely to Egypt. They make it to Egypt, and Pharaoh and Joseph, they don't say, all right, Jacob, just find yourself a spot. You know, make sure you find some some cheap rent somewhere. Make sure you get a good job. Jacob and his family gets to Egypt, and as they get there, Pharaoh says to Joseph, he says, Joseph, I want them to have the best of the land. It's found in chapter 47 and verse number six. It says, the land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen, let them dwell. Can I tell you something? God had a special place for Jacob. God had a special place for his people. God has a special place for you. God has a special place for me. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God has a special place for you in his presence. God has a special place for you in your family. God has a special place for you in the church. And God has a special place for every one of his children in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Aren't you glad that God has a special place for you? God has a refuge for you. God has a hiding place. God has a secret place. God has a place where you will be all right, hallelujah for that. John chapter 14, Jesus told his disciples they were worried. And Jesus said, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Thomas asked Jesus, he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and and how can we know the way? And Jesus answered Thomas and he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're listening this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, there is a place that God is preparing in heaven. God has no desire for you to go to hell. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that hell was created for the devil and for his demons. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is for you to come to know Jesus Christ as as your Savior. Jesus paid it all. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you, and I want to beg of you right there where you're listening, whether by radio or by uh, the, the computer or cell phone or, or website, whatever, however you're listening, would you... Make the decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sins. He offers eternal life. And whosoever will may come, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's got a special place for you where you will be not just okay, you will be cared for and you will be blessed for all of eternity. Number seven, I see lastly, I see the satisfaction. Jacob is on this trip. He stops in Beersheba. He makes the sacrifices there and God speaks to him and God reminds him of some things. And then we see that all of his family makes it safely and there's a special place there in Egypt. But that wasn't all that Jacob was interested in. Jacob wasn't worried about the armies of Egypt, he wasn't worried about the treasures in Egypt, he wasn't worried about the greatness of Egypt, he wasn't interested in just seeing the big barns of food in Egypt. There was one person that Jacob wanted to see. It tells us in verse number 30, and Israel said unto Joseph, now let me die since I have seen thy face because thou art yet alive. Jacob's satisfaction came, his contentment came when he got to see his son, and he got to see that his son was alive. Well, friend, I want to talk to you about another son, capital S-O-N, the son of God Jesus came, his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus came and he lived on this earth for 33 years and he died on an old rugged cross and they buried him in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, up from the grave, he arose and he is alive. And satisfaction comes from the child of God when you can know that he is alive when you can know that he is risen, when you can know that you can talk to him. As the men sang earlier, I talked to him today. And when you know that Jesus Christ is alive, that's where satisfaction comes. We're finding in our nation, there's a lot of things we don't really need. We're finding in our nation, there's a lot of things that are not essential. But can I tell you, for the child of God, all you need is to know that Jesus is alive. All you need to do is to know that Jesus loves you. All you need to know is to know that Jesus has something for you in his word. And if you're listening today and you do not know Christ, all you really need is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and know for sure that your sins are forgiven and to know for sure that heaven is your home. Our Father, I pray that you would take these truths this morning And I pray that you would help us, Lord, not just to be hearers, but may we be doers of the word. Lord, I pray that every person who's listening by way of the internet, by way of the radio, I pray right where they're at, I pray that they would take some time right now to respond. Maybe they're in the living room. Maybe they'll make a little altar there by that couch, or maybe they're in the car. Maybe they can pull over and maybe there on the side of the road, they can make that an altar. But I I would ask you, Lord, that we would do something with what you've spoken to us about today. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone that does not know Christ, may they, this morning, may they call upon Jesus. May they pray a prayer something like this from their heart and say, oh God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I deserve to go to hell, but I know that Jesus died on the cross and he paid the price for me and I accept Jesus Christ and I accept the free gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray that you would help us now. May we respond. May we do business with you. May you speak to us and may we listen and may we answer. God, I pray that you do a work in our invitation.